And all God's people said to that song, Amen and Amen. Lazy people do little work and think they should be winning. Winners work as hard as possible and still worry they're being lazy. Rewrote by Rob Pierce. You ready for my translation of that? See, I'm not in a locker room. I'm in a church house. Lazy Christians serve little and think they're doing the most. Serving Christians serve as much as possible and worry they're not doing their part. I'm preaching on the subject of serving the Lord today. It's been brought to my attention through my experiences the past few weeks of serving. Friday evening took me to Grove, Oklahoma to watch a football game between the Wagner Bulldogs, the Grove Ridge Runners. Probably chose that game because Nancy Forrest was there and maybe needed a visit from her pastor. That's just a good reason to go. So got to have lunch with her, spend about an hour, did Donna, Marissa, and I before we'd go watch the Wagner Bulldogs play the Grove Ridge Runners. And just to be honest with you, I wasn't going to watch the Grove, uh, Grove Ridge Runner Wagner Bulldog game. I was going to watch the strength and conditioning coach on the sidelines for the Wagner Bulldogs. If you don't know who that is, he's back at the sound booth. And when I say Wagner, I say to you that is a team that I believe if my memory serves me right, five state championships in the sport of football in the last eight years. Probably why Trent enjoys being their strength and conditioning coach because he don't have to beg them to get stronger and in condition. Their goals are simply the gold and they want to get stronger and they want to be in good condition so he's not begging them to come. He's just enjoying working with some kids that want to work hard. So I'm speaking on that of serving the Lord. So we're at the Grove and Wagner ball game. I'm watching the strength and conditioning coach, but I can't help but watch the football game because it's going on at the same time. I made the comment about two players to Miss Marissa on the Wagner Bulldog team, that being number 20 and that being number 5. Marissa just shared with me, yeah, Trenton says they're hard workers and they don't say much. I could see that from 50 yards away. But then I watched some other players in the second half in a ball game that I thought Wagner should have been winning by about three or four touchdowns. And I asked about three players that I was certain was going to cost Wagner the ball game. One, two, and twelve. Keep them numbers in mind. Two got my attention because of how they played and how little they talked. Three got my attention by how much they talked and how little they played. 
And was I right when I thought they could possibly cost Wagner the ball game? How about five personal fouls and one of them being kicked out of the game? And the personal fouls coming by them ones that I kind of discerned might be a little bit of an issue, 1, 2, and 12, with 12 being ejected. Are you listening to me? So I asked Trenton yesterday, how was the locker room Friday night after the game? Because Wagner got beat. He said, oh, it wasn't real good. He said he got him on, on him pretty hard. And he said, some of you's got some attitudes that's going to keep us from winning. He had to say that in the locker room to the whole team. Sometimes a coach, when he's got some players that are contributing all they have and not saying much, he probably hates to talk to them in the locker room about the issues he's having with just a handful. But the locker room is the locker room. You address the whole team. Is everybody staying with me? I'm going to preach on serving the Lord today, and I am a pastor of a church that has several number 20s and number 5s. You serve a lot. You talk little. Hats off. But there's a whole bunch of ones, twos, and twelves that is probably keeping exciting Southeast from being what she can be. Because they talk much and serve little. So I'm going to talk to you on serving the Lord today. And the reason I said all of what I've previously said is when I speak on serving the Lord, more times than not, my 20s and my 5s start asking what more they can do. And I want to tell them, I really wasn't even talking to you today. You just happened to be in the locker room when I was addressing my 1s, 2s, and 12s. Does everybody pick up what I'm putting down? Lazy people do little work and wonder why they're not winning. Winners work as hard as possible, but still we worry they're being lazy. Rewritten by Rob Pierce, lazy Christians serve little and think they're doing the most, where serving Christians serve much as possible and worry, are they doing their part? In the book of Malachi, it was dark times, much like our world today. In the book of Malachi, it was so dark, God was fixing to shut His mouth for 400 years. Let them waller in their mess. Is everybody with me? The book of Job prophesies that there'll be a famine, not of food, but of God's Word. Often makes me wonder if we're going to experience again. God just going silent. Is everybody staying hooked with me? But even if God goes silent, let me tell you what about the let me tell you what the twenties and the fives, the servants do. Listen to Malachi three, verses sixteen and following. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. They was concerned about the 
condition of the world around them and they begin to speak to one another. Those who feared, those who served the Lord, begin to speak to one another about the condition of the world. See, there's certain ones that are eating and drinking and being married and not even concerned about the condition of our world right now. But those who fear the Lord seem to be speaking to one another about the condition our world's in. Everybody stand with me. Exactly what happened before God shuts His mouth for 400 years. He said, those who feared the Lord spoke one another, among one another. And watch what happens. As they're speaking among one another about the condition of the world and what their part is to make it better. Listen to this. And the Lord listened and heard them. For you who are serving the Lord and concerned about the condition of our world and you speak to one another about it, guess who's listening? Guess who's hearing what you're saying? Guess who knows the condition of our world? So what's he do? A book of remembrance was written before him. I'm not going to forget you that fear me. I'm not going to forget those of you who serve me. For those who fear the Lord and who meditate on His name. Then verse 17. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, and on the day that I make them my jewels, I will spare them. How? As a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you, don't miss this verse, then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked. Now listen to this. Between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve Him. In other words, God says, you guys, I'm talking to everybody. you got to figure out which ones I'm talking to that are serving and which ones are not. So guess what? It's locker room talk today. Discern. Is God talking to you about your service unto Him? Come on. Is He? See, the problem is, after a sermon like I'm fixing to preach today, somebody will come say, boy, you stepped on my toes. And that really hacks me off. I didn't come in here to step on your toes. I come in here as a messenger from God to break your heart. And the problem in too many churches is we got too many sore-toed Christians and not near enough of broken-hearted Christians. And you say broken-hearted, yeah, God don't forget a broken and contrite heart. So I'm in the locker room today. You got to discern if this message is for you. And you don't need to be looking up and down. You just need to listen to the coach that God sent with his message. Is everybody ready? Serving the Lord. And let me just remind you this. Well, I ain't going to serve that pastor. Don't blame you. Don't think much of your pastor either. And I'm not asking you to serve me. I want you to listen to the word of God. Ephesians 6, 7 says, With good will during service as to the Lord and not to men. Colossians 3, 23, Whatever you do, do it hardly as for the Lord rather than to men. Let me just tell you something. You're not serving me. 
you're serving the Lord. And for you traditional church people, let me just tell you something. I'm not serving you. I'm serving the Lord. Now, in doing that, serving the Lord, guess what we do? We serve one another. But don't ever think that you're serving me. When you do serve me, you're serving the Lord. You're a tool in His hand. And when I serve you, I don't ever need to mistake I'm serving the Lord as I serve you. Has everybody got that? Because I wouldn't blame you for not wanting to serve your pastor, and I don't blame your pastor for not wanting to serve you. But if we'll realize it's all about serving the Lord as we serve one another, I just think it'll do us a little better, keep our attitudes a little better. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. I don't think it'll take long to preach it, because it preaches itself. Number one in this message, serving the Lord, I want to say something about the sacrifice of serving. Do you remember Jesus saying, I didn't come to be served, but I come to serve and give my life a ransom for many. Now we often think about His life given upon the cross being a sacrifice of Him laying down His life. But do we often think about Him coming to serve being a sacrifice? In other words, he gave up heaven, wrapped himself in human flesh, and come to planet earth, not to be served, but to serve. And folks, many times when we realize we're to serve the Lord, we don't think about as that taking sacrifice, but I'm here to tell you, in my time of serving the Lord, I've realized serving the Lord takes sacrifice. Sometimes things have to be prioritized and sometimes the things that we enjoy and that we like and that we're busy about in life, they have to take a back seat when it comes time to serving the Lord. Even sometimes when you're hurting and sometimes you're broken hearted but there's service to the Lord that needs to be rendered, guess what? you got to suck it up, buttercup. Guess what? you got to just tuck it in and say, Lord, I'm going to need your help with this. But right now, there's an opportunity and a place to serve you. And I'm hurting inside. But grant me the grace to make this sacrifice until me and you can get alone and fix my hurt and heartache and help me serve where I need to serve. Is there an example of that in the Scripture? I believe there is. Because John the Baptist got his head lopped off and he was very close to the Son of God who was Jesus Christ. And it's evident in the Scriptures when you read that story that Jesus wanted some time to mourn. Jesus wanted some time to get alone. And you say, well, He's God. Don't ever forget when He was wrapped in the human flesh, He was fully man as if He was no God. He hurt at the death of His loved one just like you hurt at the death of your loved one. He got hungry. He had things to do just just like you get hungry and you have things. Sacrifice to serve the Lord. He said, no, let Him come. In other words, He put His hurts and His priorities to the side to serve the Lord, God His Father, while here wrapped in human flesh. And when I speak to you today about serving the Lord, I want you to know that it's going to take sacrifice there's going to be times when you have a lot to do, when your plate is full. There's times when you got hurt and heartbreak in your life. And guess what you got to do? You just got to sacrifice if you're going to be a servant unto the Lord. See, I want you to hear me out. 
It's been a busy couple of weeks. And we at Exciting Southeast can do what we do when our ministers are ministering somewhere other than Exciting Southeast because we've got people who will serve, but we need more people who will serve. See, when I'm gone on a Thursday and the tent goes up at Mays County Fair, I'm concerned, even though we announced it, are the servants going to show up or are they going to have too much to do? And so when I called, I want to thank you ones that showed up because the bunch that I called said there was lots of help there. And we can do what we do because lots of help showed up. And there's some of you that didn't show up because you was busy that day. And let me just ask you something. You think those ones that didn't show up wasn't busy? People all the time telling me, I just got places I got to be and I just don't have time. You don't understand. I've got a lot going on and I want to look at them and I want to say, and you think you're the only one? You think those people that showed up at Mays County Fair, you think they didn't have a lot going on? Yeah, they had just as much going on as you got going on, and probably 1, 2, and 12. Remember those numbers? Let me tell you, they're Saturday mornings. They want to be doing the things at their home. They want to be doing their things. And I don't blame them because there's a whole bunch of times I'd rather be doing my things. But you know what they done? They sacrificed their time to drive to Wagner, to Weber's Falls and put up a tent. And now let me just draw that in. You say, well, that's just a busy time of the year and I didn't get it. I'll get that next year. Okay, sacrifice of service is not just at our outreaches. There's a nursery right there. We're working our 20s and our 5s to death. We need some of you to step up. Our kids' workers are so few and you're here in time, but you won't even sacrifice the fellowship time of sitting and visiting to help with our kids. Because you don't want to sacrifice the time of visiting and sit around doing nothing to serve the Lord with our kids in our nursery, in our cooking, in our outreach. Is everybody with me? And where this is so heavy on my heart is you heard me last week talk about some cattle that got on the night. And we're talking about the place I've got is 800 acres. And there's about 400. It's 1,200 acres. And let me tell you what it ain't. It ain't smooth pasture. It's creeks. It's hills. It's, it's, it's brush. And, and because, of, because of them cows being out, you know how bad I needed to get to them cows when the guy that joins the place is putting deer feeders out and he don't want my cows eating his corn and I'm thinking that'd be a perfect scenario, just feed my cattle all year. But I was just gut honest with that landowner. I said, man, I am very busy. I'm preaching revival. And I will be there the split second I can get a time. And let me tell you, I was at Texas Thursday. I was at Texas Friday. I was at Cushing till noon. I dropped by prior to the Petties. And let me tell you, that, that and I, I, was, I, would, I didn't lie to him. As soon as I got a chance from Petties, 4 o'clock, I met seven cowboys last Saturday to go in there and help me catch my cows. Do you think those seven guys that showed up to help me didn't have something else to do last Saturday evening? Yes, they did. 
something they could be doing with their family. They didn't have a ball game they wanted to watch. They didn't have something that they wanted to do. I'm telling you, they did have something. But you know what they done? They sacrificed, and they come and helped me. And you know what? The guys that come and help me, they enjoy that kind of stuff. But here's what I'm asking you. You should enjoy serving the Lord. You shouldn't say, I have to go down there to work the nursery. I get to go to the nursery. And so we should enjoy that. But I'm just here to tell you, if you're going to do that, it's going to take sacrifice, just like it took sacrifice of those men dropping what they had to do and come and help me. And here's what I want to tell you. Do you know how humbling it was for me to ask for somebody to help me catch cattle? Do you know what I've done the biggest part of my life, catch cattle that people couldn't catch? Do you know how humbling that is? For me, I mean, there's guys come and help me work my cattle, but I'm talking about catching strays. I'm talking about catching cattle in Rusty. Do you know how humbling it is for a guy that used to catch cattle and, and when they said, what's your plan? I plan on staying here till I catch them. Do you know how humbling it is to have to call somebody that's got dogs because they're trained so rough that you're not going to keep them confined until you get some dogs? I don't have, so that's very humbling. Do you know where we're at as a church, folks? used to I didn't have to have help I didn't have them kind of pastors I didn't have that where we're at as a church we got to have help now and I have preached this message over and over and over and over again if you don't remember I, I preached it when how frustrated you people are about nobody will work in the secular world and God's had the help wanted signs out for 2,000 years my, my fields are white and ready for harvest but my labor's few so you're getting frustrated for the first time about people not wanting to work in the secular world God's been frustrated a long long time he's had his help wanted sign out for a long long time he said the fields are white and ready for harvest but the labors are few he's used to this stuff Maybe new to us, but it's not new to him. And you may have got convicted during that. So the Lord, it don't cost me something. If it's not costing you some time and costing you some, some, some things that you've got to sacrifice, is it even worth giving to the Lord Jesus Christ? Bottom line, finish this point. Don't come to me and tell me you can't be there because you've got too much going on. Because I watched the handful that's got a lot going on, me being one of them. You may not believe it, but your pastor's pretty busy. And let me tell you something. Don't come and tell me that. Because then people are just as busy as you are. And what they are equal in is the same amount of minutes and hours in a day. They sacrifice their time to serve the King of Kings, which, by the way, died for you. Why can't we live and sacrifice for Him? I don't know if it's an amen or oh me. Amen or oh me. But I'm going to move on to my second point. I just want to point out the sacrifice of serving. But I want to point out the steadfastness of serving. If you've been here very long, you will hear me quote often 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58, where it tells us to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Listen to this. Knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We do a lot of things that in the end they're going to be in vain. They really didn't mean nothing. But when it comes time to serving the Lord, he says, keep your hands to the plow, keep your nose to the grind, because what you do for the Lord will never be in vain. Folks, how many times, how many things have you done, have I done, that's really in vain? They really won't mean nothing when the dust settles and the smoke clears. They really won't matter, but we're steadfast in doing those things, but we're not steadfast in the Lord 
which none of it will be in hands to the plow and your nose to the grind and always abound in the work of the Lord. And if you're one of those up, down, in and out, isn't there a verse that really should bother you? Maybe you don't know about it, so I'll share it with you. Anybody having put their hands to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Folks, that would concern me if I was a person who served when it was handy or served for a little while and then discontinued my service. The Bible says, not the preacher, anybody having put their hands to the plow looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Do you want to be not fit? For the kingdom of God? Do you just want to serve here and there when it's handy? For a little while when the preacher preaches on serving in the church? Or do you want to be fit for the kingdom of God? And when you put your hands to the plow and you sign up to put your nose to the grind, then be steadfast, abound in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in that work. I just don't understand why people think they can just serve and then quit. Just serve and then just quit. I'm going to take a break for a while. We'll... I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm just telling you. We're in the locker room today. I'm talking. I don't, I don't get. I'm just going to take a break for a while. Steadfastness. When we go to work for the Lord, I, I, I don't know what you don't get about always. Be steadfast and movable. Always abounding in the Word of the Lord. I don't know how to make that any plainer. I can't, so I'm going to move to the third point. The sacrifice of serving... The steadfastness of serving, but then I want to point out to you the suffering of serving. So you're going to get all fired up, you're going to serve, and I'm going to tell you it's going to hurt. That's why Paul come to his ministry and he said to the church at Galatia, I bear the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ in my body. Somebody said, boy, you sure have AIDS. I said, they're killing me. My grandma, who's went on to be with the Lord now, she said, Robbie's never going to age. When I chewed tobacco, I still get an ID at 28. I mean, it's just, it's just part of it. You're going to pour your life and your heart into serving in some area, and somebody's not going to treat you how they think you should treat you, and, and you was all right, and they're going to walk all over you. And, and I've been walked on by people before. I've had, and, and, and somebody will tell me when I'm going to help the next person. Boy, I don't know why you keep helping them. Boy, you sure seem to get used a lot. I said, because I'm serving the Lord, not them. And what they do with my service to the Lord is completely up to them. See, if we would get that mindset, I, it, what their response to me serving the Lord in their life, that ain't, that, that's up to them. But my call to serve the Lord in their life, that's up to me and God. And I'm just here to tell you, you're going to get walked on. And, 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 you, and it's, you're going to suffer when it comes time to... I, I thought about when we was gathering these cattle... You know, last week, I'm going through the brush 100. I'm the closest one to C-47. And, and I get stopped in my tracks from a dead run by grapevines. And, and I've always thought when a horse goes from 100 to nothing, and I've always wondered if I could stay on him. And the question is, is no, I can't. Had there not been a piece of that grapevine that would have caught me and kept me in the saddle, I would have went right over his head. Because we stopped, and we stopped fast. 
But I hollered at Eli because I seen the cow and I seen Eli out on the road and I said, she's coming to the road, she's coming to the road. And I was hoping he could get up there and catch her before she got in the brush in a little opening. And I heard the commotion as I was trying to get out of the, the grapevines. And when I got out of the brush, she had a rope. She was fighting. I throwed another rope on her. We took her to the trailer. And as we're loading her, I, I keep seeing Eli, Eli shake his left arm. And when we get all done, he comes up and he said, man, I stuck something in my arm. And he had a little bitty knot on his left forearm. That was Saturday evening when we went to the house. I said, either stick or a thorn. I, I said, maybe one of them poisonous thorns. He says, there's poisonous, poisonous thorns around here. I said, I don't know. <laughs> but it could be. Eli wasn't at church last Sunday morning. That's not like Eli. Sunday morning, let me tell you who was there, one armed. Eli. Because he understood if you're going to serve, sometimes you got to do it when you're hurting. I'm sure Bo, being there yesterday, saw Eli getting on and not using his left arm much. Let me tell you, last Saturday evening, I seen blood on almost every cowboy's hands because we'd rode through green briars and thorns. I watched horses have blood dripping off their feet because we'd been through thorns. We'd been through. I watched dogs last week get up on that little cleft and be eating on them cows trying to get them off and I watch horns go into them dogs belly and throw them about 15 20 foot in that creek and they'd swim it was way over the head and they'd get right back up there and as I sat there I thought God of heaven give me some good Christians that way that when they're serving the Lord no matter how far they get thrown and how deep the water is they get thrown God help us to just swim right back in the middle of things see sometimes when you're serving you're going to suffer. It's going to hurt. Brent Venables. Rob Pierce's look-alike. See, somebody said, I look like him. I said, I'm a year older. He looks like me. <laughs> Here's what he said, and I want you to listen closely. I think Brent Venables maybe is a picture. He who's faithful over little things will be given much. You say, why do you say that? Well, he's played in eight of the last 20 national championship games as an assistant coach. I think he's been pretty faithful as an assistant. So he was given an opportunity to be a head coach. And his expectations are high. Faithful over little, he's been given much. And here's what he said, and I want you to listen closely. Maybe you don't understand it, but I do. And I'll tell you why right after I say what he said. Championship rings don't go on smooth hands. Championship rings don't go on smooth hands. They go on suffering and sacrificing hands. I just thought I had roped hurt. Because it was the year that gold was my goal that I tore this hip up. And if you'll remember in that sermon, I said, when gold is your goal, the obstacles get higher. First time I'd had a crippled horse for over any length of time. First time I set out. And you remember over Cowboy Christmas, I come home when the big rodeos was going on because my uncle passed away. Come on. When gold is your goal, the work gets harder. The pain gets greater. The obstacles get higher, but remember how I finished that sermon? The rewards get sweeter. 
In other words, when you decide to work harder, go through more pain, get over higher obstacles, you can write this down big, plain, and straight. The reward is going to be sweeter. Could I just encourage you today, Brent Venables, listen, he's got rough hands because he's trying to lead college kids to a national championship and a championship ring. And I'm telling you, in 2001, I worked hard. I got over some obstacles, through some pain and some hard work to win a gold buckle. And let me explain something about championship rings and gold buckles. They will burn. Why in the world are we willing to sacrifice, be steadfast, and suffer for a crown that will one day perish and be so unwilling to sacrifice and suffer and be steadfast to win a crown, a reward that is sweeter than anything we'll ever get when Jesus gives it to us? Why? So I'm telling you, you decide to serve today, you'll suffer. You decide to serve today, that's, I'm, I'm the one. You're really going to like it. Aren't you so glad when, God, when we come to God's house and God just, just, I mean, pierces our heart. I mean, through His Word, just makes us and just, huh? Aren't you glad that He's the daddy that always comes back and says, but there's, you're not dead, so I'm... The point, the second chance. Of serving the Lord. He's not made the sacrifice. Some of you is not. Some of you have, have not been willing. For, and you know what God's doing for you today? God of second chances. I'm giving you a second chance. I'm giving you a slate. I don't know about you. Glad we've got a God of second chances. I sure am glad we've got of second chances. Bigger if I'm talking to you today. You have whether I am or I'm not. I hope you like this. You can get a fresh start. Start. You can get a clean slate. John Mark in the Bible didn't go here anybody remember John Mark in the Bible he sat by Georgia to see is he the one that used to sit over there John Mark of the clear that up remember when Paul and Barnabas was going on a missionary journey okay if you don't you guys you can take participation I'm just going to pretend you guys tell this story like I'm Mark is the one who all and Barnabas on their missionary journey. You can read of Acts. But when it comes to second missionary journey, comes Barnabas and he's got John Mark and Paul says, not going. I wonder, I wonder, I see he don't know what steadfast. He don't know what suffering is. He left high and dry on the first trip and let sacrifice. It takes steadfast, it takes suffering. And listen, the best, they got into a big time argument over there. Are you with me? Such a time argument, Barnabas did Paul. Paul said, well, I'll just take You take the nonsense guy with you, Barnabas. You're so high, Barnabas. You're so high on him. And he did. So is everybody with me? Paul had no use for him. He had use for such little sacrifice no and, and no willing to suffer. That had no use for. Because his steadfastness and suffering was. And when it's willing to do that, sometimes they just have off the people that's not willing to do that. Got the T-shirt. So he, so he says, don't need it. So what happens if somebody goes to help me some, some cows and, and, and they're just a hindrance more than... If you think the next time we need to catch cows, I'm going to them? Look here. So he don't go. Have you, Mark? Do you want me to let you in who the Gospel of Mark was written John Mark.
Have you ever listened to a sermon that I preach Jesus Christ as Lord? Both the books of the Bible and what Jesus is in each. You ever heard that? Remember what Jesus is in the book of Mark. You don't. He's the suffering servant. So here's what I'm getting. Listen to me. Mark in hand. The Holy Spirit's moving him to write the gospel of Mark. And he's writing in the sufferings of Jesus in his gospel. You with me? Now, I don't know the timeline. I don't know that stuff. I wonder, Brother Bob, if he got to run, Brother Bob, if he got to run in writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about how much Jesus suffered. And he thought about how little he was willing to suffer and size. And that's his heart. And because he'd seen how much Jesus, he took advantage of his chance. With Barnabas on that trip, he sacrificed. He was steadfast. He suffered, and it all happened because he got a second chance. Are you with me? Paul thought he hindrance to his ministry, didn't he? I mean, if you have a sharp dissension, he's going, I don't need dead weight. Paul on his deaths, only Luke is with him. But listen to this. Get me. That's John Mark. Bring him with you because he's helpful to my ministry. Got a second chance. And he wasn't going to be a hindrance. He was going to be a hindrance the second time. And it's evident he wasn't because Paul did him. Bring him to you. Because he's, because he's helpful. Because he's helpful. Because he's helpful to my, to my ministry. See. 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 See, 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 I want to say something about this because I I want to say something about this because I was I want to say something about this because I was I want to say something about this because I was really I want to say something about this because I was really I want to say something about this because I was really want to say something about this because I was really let want to say something about this because I was really let down yesterday after our second excursion with the cows until I figured out what the message was today. I went to that pastor three times during the week to see if those seven head had showed back up anywhere. Because the guys with me, oh, we put so much pressure on them. The dogs eat on them. They about drown. We about, I mean, they've threw the bread. They're going to go back to where they know to go. And, and, And sometimes when you put enough pressure on cows, that's what they do. They go back to where they know they belong. But, you know, when I pulled up there Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you know what? Never seen him. Wasn't there. 
called the guy that owned the joining 400. Hadn't seen him. So Thursday when I pulled out of here, I knew we messed up on our first time of getting them. And here's what I asked the Lord when I headed off that mountain. Lord, just give me one more shot at my cows. Just give me one more shot. Friday morning, that man that owned the 400 acres called, and he said, your cattle's right back where they was. I made a few phone calls. We met at 7 o'clock. And when we was riding into some real rough country, I instructed the other seven, when we see them, they're to have ropes on them immediately. The calves. And when we get the cows through. Bo, myself, and Donna was riding up on a high pasture, and Bo will probably realize the timing of it when I say this. I thought I heard them, and I left the fellowship and visiting of him, Eli, and my wife, and I took off. And I seen the cows coming off into a holler through some grapevines. But I'd remembered what I'd asked. God, give me one more chance. And within just a few seconds of me spotting the cows... I had a rope on one. And if you've ever gathered cows, when the boss pulls a rope and he ropes one, that means everybody gets your rope. And, that's everybody. and within just a minute, the three calves was roped. Listen to me. We got a second chance. Last Saturday, one of eight. That's pretty humbling to a guy that catches cows. God, give me a second chance. Six of seven left with us yesterday. And I couldn't get over that one that we left, Bo. And what helped me get over it is because I knew it was going to be illustration in the message today. Get all fired up and want to serve the Lord. Let me tell you, you're never going to get them all. But your desire to be better this week than you was last week. When we serve the Lord, we're never going to get every one of them. I wish I could tell you, when we all start serving the Lord, we'll get every person in our community, every person in our family, every person in our town. But the truth of the matter is, even with our second chances, we'll still miss some. So the goal today is to be better next week than you are this week. I'm just convinced there's some people in the crowd today that need to pray what I prayed coming off the mountain. Not concerning a second chance at my cows. Give me a second chance, Lord, of serving you in this body of believers called Exciting Southeast. Let's all stand. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Father, we love you. And I have a desire to see every one of your children serve you in a great and mighty way. But Father, I know without doubt my desire won't help them serve any more than they're already serving. So Father, I'm asking you today to put a desire in the hearts of your children to do what you saved them to do. And that's to serve you. Father, I pray these altars would be full of people that want to take advantage of a second chance of serving you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And they'll be here because they have a 
desire to serve. But Father, as I know you desire for them to serve as I do, there's someone here today that's lost and undone. And I know you desire for them to be saved, not willing that any perish, but unless they have a desire to be saved, stay out of hell and get into heaven, it matters not what your desire for them is. So, Father, my prayer is, with a crowd this size, because you desire to save folks, they'd have the same desire and let you save them. And because you desire for your children to serve you, they'd have the same desire, and they would begin to serve you. Father, have your way in the hearts of us, your people. In Jesus' name, amen.